If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You are already enough. You already have enough. You are already worthy of what you want. You are already smart enough to go for what you want. You already have the power to create the life you want to live and your money doesn't define you. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. An article recently published by The Atlantic stated that recent surveys from financial and market research firms found that in 34% of cohabitating couples, married or not, one or both partners couldn't correctly identify how much the other makes in terms of money. And that only 17% of parents with an income above $100,000 a year had told or planned to tell their children how much they earn or what their net worth is. And that people are more comfortable, get this, talking with friends about marital discord, mental health, addiction, race, sex, and politics instead of money. That's crazy. Like money, it's this tough subject. But time and time again, our listeners ask for episodes on this emotionally and physically charged topic. And I think it's fair to say that most of us do have complex or even complicated relationships with money. Like I feel like personally, I've been on both sides of the table when it comes to my feelings around money over the years. There have been times where I've felt wildly proud of what I earn and my mindset around money and my finances from a holistic standpoint. And there have also been times where I felt incredibly overwhelmed or crippled by all of it. I think that for a lot of us, our money mindsets go way, way back to the days of childhood. When you're thinking about your childhood and your family's ideas around finances, Are there things that you feel like shaped your mindset today? I'm sure there are from the really positive to the not so great. And it's kind of crazy to realize how much of our feelings about money are rooted back into our years past, right? I was actually recently talking to my mom about money because there are some really special and really unique memories that I hold around money that have absolutely shaped my approach to it now as an adult. 
We were talking about how my parents, they gave us each three little mason jars marked with three different categories. So there was one jar for spending, one jar for saving, and one jar for giving. And if we did all of our chores that we had on our chore chart, we would get $3 each week and we would put $1 in each of the jars. Now, from a young age, that really drove home the idea that all three categories were really, really important, which is something that I've learned to follow through on the older that I get. But at the same time, I was not in one of those families where there was massive allowances or big gifts. That wasn't really a thing for us. I feel like I was taught from a super young age that each dollar needed to have a job and that each dollar needed to be worked hard in order to get it. But even though I had the beginnings of this spend, save, give mentality as a little girl, I don't think I started to realize the true value of each dollar until I was about 12 years old. So my dad went on strike for unfair labor practices at the steel refinery that he worked at, and that strike lasted for almost an entire year, and it kind of came unexpectedly. And so that meant that our family of five was living off of one income, which was my mom's. And she's a teacher. She was a nursing instructor. So it was honestly just a really hard year for my family and a year where we had to get really creative and be on the receiving end of other people's giving. I can actually recall a lot from that period. I remember I wrote this article about the strike and how I was really proud of my dad for, you know, picketing and being a part of something where they're just trying to be treated fairly. And that article was published in the newspaper. And I feel like that age of 12, it just makes you more aware of what's happening. And I remember at the gymnastics academy I went to, there was this donation box for a food collection in front of it. And I really wanted to participate in it. Like my parents had always drove home that you need to give, you need to give and help others. And so I went home, I dug through our pantry. I found this can of pumpkin, you know, like pumpkin that you use for pumpkin pies. And I put it in the box. And a couple of weeks later, that box was on our front porch because I hadn't realized that the food collection box was for us. And it was super humbling, but also a really powerful lesson that sometimes you're the giver and sometimes you need to just open your hands and receive. Now, it's crazy how those things affected my money mindset for so, so long from applying for every single college scholarship to fund my entire way through school to tackling my student loans as quickly as I could possibly do it. Life has this way of taking my mindset around money from one of lack to abundance in different seasons of life. And needless to say, my money mindset has been more than complicated throughout the years. I know I'm not alone on that either. Money is just one of those things that's really hard to talk about a lot of the time. And that's all because so many of us are taught so many different things. So many of us grow up in different ways. And so many of us have wildly different situations than our friends. Over the years, I've been able to shift my money mindset into a much more positive space, a better light, and it's transformed so many aspects of my life, from my business to my marriage to motherhood to daughterhood. I don't know if that's even a word, but let's make it one. And I feel like I've finally learned to trust myself, to think strategically about my money, and to live in a more abundant space that allows me to give more freely. Before I dive into talking about money mindset, it's important to recognize that there is a huge disparity of wealth in this country. Even having the platform to just speak about mindset around money when there are people who are forced to constantly think about money in reference to their survival or keeping the lights on or making their rent payments this month is a privilege. Economic inequality, whether measured through the gaps in income or wealth between richer and poorer households, continues to widen. 
I won't pretend that you can go and just manifest a million dollars and there it will come. I know that there are so many people who are really struggling right now with basic needs. This episode isn't created to fix the bigger problems created by broken systems, systems that I am committed to helping change. But I do hope that it helps for you to look at money through a different lens that invites more freedom or understanding in your life and for the role that money plays in it. So with all that said, and knowing I'm certainly no financial analyst or planner, I hope you'll find some value in what I've learned surrounding money mindset. Let's dive into five of the biggest shifts I've made in my own mindset around money. Here we go. First step in creating a better money mindset, it's all in trusting in yourself, in your value, and in your journey. I notice this trend mainly among women, but men certainly deal with it too, where we feel like if we find success, it must be a fluke and we have to ride the wave and keep up the momentum or else it'll all stop. It'll end and we'll be back to where we once were. It's this idea that our success is fleeting and if we miss one opportunity, we'll never find true success or financial freedom. And it comes because we lack the confidence to trust in ourselves and in our ability to generate results in the future. You have to stop thinking that you aren't smart enough to pivot or to learn new things. Not only are you smart enough, you're worthy of it. So often we feel like we need to say yes, right? Have you ever felt that? You want to say yes to every opportunity that comes by. But when we trust in ourselves and our ability to make moves and in our flexibility to change lanes when we need to, that is when we start to create really, really big things. I've noticed this a lot entering a season where I'm hopeful to get pregnant again, and I have to keep remembering that it's okay to slow down and say no and protect my time. And that I have to trust that if and when I'm ready to go full steam ahead again, when my life feels ready for that, that I will be smart enough to figure out what that will look like. This whole mentality is allowing me to say no and to protect my peace in this season, but it has to be partnered with this confidence that when I'm ready to go, I can go. And I believe in my ability to do that. In the early days of my business, I was pretty much always stressed about money. I self-funded my entire business while working a full-time job and while supporting Drew while he was in a season between jobs. On top of all that, we paid for our own wedding and my student loans that started getting due. And so it was just a lot at once. And I can literally close my eyes and remember that stress and pressure like it was yesterday. I grew really slowly and methodically pouring the money from my side hustle of photography back into my business as I could in order to grow. Now, you probably know this, but I didn't leave my full-time job until I had confirmed that I could match the salary with photography, and I worked up until that first wedding season happened, saving as much money as I possibly could as a safety net. The interesting thing about wedding photography, specifically in the Midwest, is that it's super seasonal. So I really had to rely on what my parents taught me about saving as a kid. I basically had a super busy six months and then six months that were ultimately super slow, making the money flow really unique and making my money management crucial. When I think of my career and the pivots that I've taken, I attribute confidence to a lot of those decisions that helped me to grow. That belief that I could pull off the next thing or that I could pursue that next idea or that I could cut back on one thing in order to try something else, that allowed me to get to where I am today. 
I also always had a plan B, most of which were never deployed, thankfully, but I wasn't one to make rash decisions. I always looked at things through a lens of best case and worst case scenario, being confident that whichever road I had to walk, I'd be able to navigate it. While so many people preach about only doing work that you absolutely love, that sometimes just isn't feasible when you're trying to make ends meet or get something off the ground. As you refine your skills and gain experience, you earn the ability to choose the best work for you, the work that lights you up. But never forget that sometimes life calls you to just get back into the trenches and do any sort of work in order to pay the bills. In time, I can also promise you that when you decide to start trusting in yourself and what you offer and your unique ability to keep going when the curveballs hit you, that's when you can really start to work from your own genius spots and start to stay away from the response of others. It's all in line with that good old law of attraction too. The money will follow because you'll be doing what lights you up because you've earned the right to do that through gaining your experience and through your hard work. The next money mindset shift I swear by is to always, always remember that you are already successful enough to contribute back into the world. I feel like a lot of people get stuck in this mindset that giving money away can only come when you feel completely and totally secure in your financial situation or when you're insanely wealthy. And neither of those are true. Look, I know that the people whose names live on the side of hospital wings and buildings on college campuses donate millions of dollars. And that's not what I'm talking about. You do not need to be rich to make a difference with your money. Just take it from politics. Some of the most successful grassroots campaigns bring in millions of dollars made up of a lot of small size donations. It's proof. Tiny steps make up big moves. My siblings and I were really lucky to have the importance of giving instilled in us from a really young age with the mason jar routine. But there was a season where I kept putting off giving and telling myself that once I had paid off my debt, once I made a certain amount, once I had saved enough, then I could give in these grandiose ways. I had forgotten how those $1 bills added up and made a significant difference. It was like I had to break the seal on my giving and reacclimate with the power of giving when I could. Now, a few years into my business, I remember listening to a sermon on tithing and the history of it. And I realized that I was in a situation where I could give and I had been all along. I started to map out a giving plan. And as my finances have grown, I've continued to contribute in that way, growing my giving alongside. Now, I'm not saying that to get claps or thank yous either at all. I just want you to know money is a means to make a difference. And even if that difference feels small, it's not insignificant. Money really is a gift. If you aren't in the practice of giving now, that likely won't change when your finances change. I remember a line that someone had said, and they basically said, if you can't give $10 from $100 that you've earned, you sure as heck won't be able to part with $10,000 when you hit six figures. You likely will never feel ready or fully equipped to part with your money. But if you build it into your habits and see that money can be a vessel of goodness, it'll become an aspect of your life that brings you and others joy. The thing is, no one makes money without the desire to eventually earn more. I'm sure people would love to say that they wouldn't like more money, but let's be honest, most people do. It's just how we're wired as humans on some level. If we get stuck in that headspace that tells us you don't have enough to make a difference, when will we ever feel like we do have enough? Like you do have enough. Your $5 monthly donation to a food bank can go a long way, even if you only have $500 in your own bank account, like I promise. 
and a tiny bit of tough love here, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on a computer or a phone. You likely have an extra $5 to give away a month that could be found from changing your spending. Maybe you skip your morning coffee or you don't grab that nail polish from the end cap at Target. But when you see opportunities to save, that also might be a sign that you can have opportunities to also give. So my challenge is this. Find an organization, a person, a nonprofit, or a cause that you really, really care about and just start working giving into your lifestyle. It's so simple with technology to make monthly donations without ever even thinking about them. And they matter. Like they really, really do. And once you make that realization that there is enough money to go around, your thought patterns begin to change and you start to feel just that energy that comes from giving and making a difference. It gives a whole new feel to your money because money can be a difference maker. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. 
Next, it's time to bring more mindfulness into your language around money. Dr. Margie Worrell says, psychologists have found that our subconscious mind interprets what it hears very literally. The words that come out of our mouth, therefore, create the reality we inhabit for better or worse. Ultimately, it's often the latter as we unconsciously sabotage our success simply by using language that undermines our opinions, amplifies our problems, and chips away at our confidence to handle them. Whatever direction your words lead, your mind, body, and environment will inevitably follow. Our external environment is often a reflection of our internal one, which shows up in how we speak. If you use positive language about yourself or your ability to learn new skills or to achieve your goals or manage difficult people or handle pressure, then that's what tends to show up externally. Conversely, if you're continually saying things that affirm incompetence or echo hopelessness or nurture anxiety or fuel pessimism, then that will also shape your reality. Over time, your world will morph to mirror your words. I was just with some friends the other day. Drew and I were with one other couple and we were talking just about the power of language and how we just have really come to love our friendships where people are positive, where you get together and you talk about the good things and the dreams you're chasing and and what you love about your world. And I just think that, you know, our language is so powerful and you become like the people you spend your time with. And so not only does your language shape your reality, but also the way that you spend time in conversation with other people and the topics and the way you speak about other things. And I don't know, like how many times have you found yourself saying things like, I'm so broke, or I have no idea how I could ever afford that, or I have to pay that bill. Like 20-something Jenna loved to say that she was broke or couldn't afford things, which in turn led 20-something Jenna to fully believe that she was broke, even though she was privileged and she was doing great. It's all about the language we use with ourselves and our situations. Just like when we talk about things like our bodies and our relationships, the way that we talk to ourselves about money and finances matter. When we continue to use language like I can't or I'm broke, we start to believe that we can't afford things, that we don't have enough, that we aren't enough, which culminates in our lives as a hustle culture that we all know with everything rooted in scarcity. Here's my challenge for you. Find thoughtful shifts to change your language around money. For instance, maybe instead of saying I could never afford to buy a house, think buying a house isn't a priority for me right now, but one day it will be. Or instead of getting frustrated that the new iPhone 35 isn't in your budget, shift your mindset to, I'm not going to purchase a new iPhone right now because I don't need one quite yet. At the same time, shifting your language can help you unlock what your actual priorities really are. I've seen a meme a couple of times out there that talks about how we'll drop $100 on a night out like it's nothing, but then we feel like our $100 phone bill feels like a serious burden. What are the things you truly care about and want to prioritize in your financial life? It's worth digging into this. Like when you begin to shift the way you're prioritizing your funds and your language around money, your entire attitude on it will start to change. My mom recently had to turn in her work computer. And as she was turning in her work computer, because she retired, which is so exciting, she found my budget from back in 2010. 
So I had created a monthly budget. I must've sent it to her to show her my budget because I was so proud of it. And it was when I was making $50,000 a year and I had accounted for every expense from clothing to movie night out to dates. Like I had summarized every dollar and where it was going to go for student loans and everything like that. And it was just really cool because my mom sent it to me and she's like, I thought you would like to see this. And it helped for me to just kind of one, see the growth, but also to see that mental growth as well. And know that that diligence back when I was in my early twenties really paid off over that last decade. Now, finally, I want to talk about something I think is super important is an emergency fund. Money can be a major stressor for a lot of people. And I get it. I've been there. For Drew and I, one of the biggest things we ever did to feel comfortable in our finances was to build up an emergency fund. Now we have one that we know we can count on if something happens that we don't expect, which takes a massive amount of stress out of life in general. It gives us the freedom and ability to move through life without stressing over the constant what ifs that we aren't in control of. Like we're able to live by this philosophy that if money can fix something, it's not a true problem. There's a statistic that says only four out of 10 Americans could cover a $1,000 emergency with their savings account. There's another statistic saying that over a third of millennials don't have a dime in their savings. That means that most Americans couldn't cover a minor car emergency, a big vet bill, or an unexpected medical cost without taking out a loan or putting it on a credit card. That can be a big time hindrance to building a financial life that you're happy with and that you're proud of and that helps you to feel secure long term. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't have an emergency fund, don't feel down on yourself. You're 100% not alone at all, and it's not too late to start one. My favorite tip is straight from Dave Ramsey himself. Instead of setting a huge goal to save $10,000 in six months, focus first on making sure you can cover a $1,000 emergency. If you struggle with keeping money in savings, consider putting it in another bank entirely. There are tons of online banks that can connect with your primary checking account and they're easy to deposit into, but take a little extra time to get the money out of, which is key if you're prone to dipping into your savings more often than you'd like. Plus, when you don't see your savings number staring at you every time you open your bank app, you're a lot less likely to touch it. One tool I've seen so many people use with great success, including my sister Kate and Kylie and a few others on my team is the Capital app. That's with a Q. Capital links to your bank accounts and you can create savings goals with a number of rules. So for example, every time you get direct deposit into your account, you can select a percentage of that to be deposited into your savings goal before it ever lands in your regular account. You can set up a rule for rounding up on every purchase or to charge yourself when you shop at certain retailers that maybe you spend a little bit too much of your income on, like takeout. You don't realize the power of all of these set it and forget it strategies for setting aside and saving money until you're actually doing them. Kylie on my team had a long running goal. She calls buy my dogs, nice things. And it shows a picture of her sweet rescue dogs. Every time she signs in really it's a savings account for furnishing a future house she hopes to buy, but she's less likely to swipe dollars from that savings goal. If she sees her cute dogs with the puppy eyes, when she makes a transfer. With four rules set up that transfer a few dollars at a time, Kylie set aside over $1,500 in just four months. Slowly starting to build an emergency fund is truly key to being able to take deep breaths around your money and your financial situation. 
You can feel more peaceful around the numbers in your bank account, more prepared to take on issues that come along, and more secure in the fact that you can create a financial life you're proud of. And that, my friends, is priceless. The fifth and biggest, most important shift you can make is remembering that an abundance mindset is so, so valuable. So many of us either come from or eventually find ourselves in the mindset of lack and scarcity and what I call kind of living in that space of not enoughness when it comes to money. It's incredibly natural and it's wildly easy to do, especially in a world where you might feel pressure to keep up with the Joneses or one where you aren't making as much money as the people you know. But here's a pro tip. Purposefully putting yourself in a mindset of abundance is the best, best, best way to actually start to live a life of abundance, especially when it comes to your finances. But how do you actually do that? Like, how does one change their mindset? Something that probably comes to you naturally by the way of your history or your experiences. Here's the thing. When I talk about abundance, I don't just mean like meditating on a future trillion dollar mountain home with a butler, like Maybe that's your thing. Go for it. Awesome. Dream big. But by abundance, I mean leaning into the idea that you are already enough. You already have enough. You are already worthy of what you want. You are already smart enough to go for what you want. You already have the power to create the life you want to live. Your money doesn't define you, and it also doesn't weigh you down. When we make conscious shifts towards living and believing in a more abundant life, we back away from the pressures, the anxiety, and the negativity that can pop up around money. While there definitely might still be some sticky money situations from time to time, an abundance mindset is what will lead you to a life where you feel equipped and proud and ready for what comes next. There are so many ways you can begin to really cultivate abundance from listening to podcasts, to journaling, to meditating. But one of my favorite ways to do it is by surrounding myself with people who come from that place of abundance too. Like I said earlier, when the people you spend the most time with complain about money or are constantly in a place of scarcity, it can make you feel the same way. Think about it. If you're always talking about the negative side of money or of life in general, where will your mind start to go? When we were with our friends, we were just talking about how refreshing it was to be around positive people. And we had this conversation about how negativity is easy. It's easy to talk about what's not right in our world or why the world is against us or what's wrong in our lives. That's the easy thing. It takes more work to seek out the good. But as you do that, it's like flexing a muscle and your strength grows. Create friendships with people who come from a place of abundance and who believe in that power and go one further. Challenge yourself to follow people on social media and read resources from people who encourage this abundance mindset. When I started joining masterminds and finding peer groups that was pushing for possibilities I never dreamed of, which is actually where I met those friends I was talking about, it opened my brain for what was possible for me too. Instead of seeing finances as a competition, see other people's financial success as a mirror of what's possible for you too. After all, life is way more fun when you look at it that way. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. 
Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, like I said at the beginning of this conversation about finances and mindset, I am not an expert here, but these have been my own learning curves and mental blocks around money that I've walked through personally over the years. If money mindset is something you want to tackle further, these are my recommendations for further reading and listening from past Gold Digger guests. Berna Anat continues to be one of my favorite creators on the entire internet. She calls herself a financial hype woman and her methods for getting you hyped about saving money and budgeting and managing your finances include Friday dance parties on her Instagram and hilarious videos where she plays a range of characters, all with a different lesson to share about money. I was lucky enough to have Berna on the Gold Digger podcast. And one of the most eye-opening parts of our discussion was the idea of financial trauma. Money is linked to emotion and a lot of our views of money as well as our behaviors with money need to be unlearned and retooled for a healthier financial future. Go follow Berna at Hey Berna on Instagram and tune into our episode of Gold Digger at jennacutcherblog.com slash Berna. Now, I also spoke with Dominique Broadway on the show just one month after the world shut down in 2020. Financial fear and anxiety was building amidst shutdowns and layoffs and the bottoms dropping out of small businesses and large companies alike. Dominique was a source of practical and hugely important advice for dealing with the sudden loss of income, as well as tips for laying the groundwork for future financial success. Regardless of what you're walking through in the moment, you can learn more from Dominique at jennacutcherblog.com slash Broadway and connect with her at financesdemystified.com. Jen Sincero is the author of You Are a Badass at Making Money, but Jen's world hasn't always looked as badass as it does now. She was living in a garage, driving a car with no grill, and feeling like a financial loser, as she put it. In her early 40s, she decided to put in the work and attend financial seminars, read self-help books in hopes of turning her financial problems around. Now, as a New York Times bestselling author and success coach, Jen helps people understand money mindset in a massive way. If you're curious about how to bust through the mental block and want to sell rather than fear the process, if you're skeptical, but you want to learn how positive affirmations really help when it comes to upping your cash flow, and you're ready to think differently about the money you could potentially make, listen to our conversation at jennacutcherblog.com slash Jen Sincero and find her badass books wherever books are sold. So next time you check your bank account, get a paycheck or start thinking about dollar signs, I want for you to remember these five things. One, you and your journey matter so, so much. Two, you are always successful enough to change the world. Three, your language around money makes a huge difference in the way you see it. Four, you deserve to feel less stress around money. And five, you are worthy of a life of abundance. That's it, my friend. There you have it. Those are some of the biggest shifts I've made in my own financial life to experience more joy and freedom around finances. And they're what you need to rebuild your relationship with money and start living a life of true freeing abundance. Now go earn, go live and go feel some freedom. That mindset shift is a true blue life changer. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the gold digger podcast. 
I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.